Welcome to Season 2 of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting Podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from TD was recorded on March 9th, 2023. Hi, everybody. I am TD, and I'm so happy to be here tonight. I'm really such a grateful member of the one ACA because it's really changed my life, and there's so much hope and just clarity and it's helped me accept my uniqueness like my fingerprints (laughs) so I just want to say a quick prayer God I just thank you that you would be with us you put the words on my lips that we all need to hear for ultimate healing for all of us we pray for that healing and freedom and thank you And so I just want to give a little forewarning here because I might, I use we a lot and I'm not trying to we on you. I'm just talking about all the we in here. So I try to use I, but it slips a lot um, for me. And it's always been like that because I have, I'm, I'm actually diagnosed with DID. So the inner parts thing, I've been working on it for about 18 years And I was fortunate to have a really good doctor um, that helped me a lot. And he was a global leader in the the diagnoses and arguing that it's not a disorder. That's actually considered a very high form of evolution of the brain for people that have suffered a lot of trauma. And disassociation then can become a pal, friend. And um, and it's, it's not that we need to disassociate anymore, but it was a really good life skill. And for those of you that don't connect to that word, disassociation is, um, well, there's different levels of it, but it can also just feel like you're not in your body. Just really like you almost might like be hearing. I hear myself talking to someone and I'm just like in the back seat, like, okay, what's, what's going on? It's very odd, very strange experience. So that's what I mean when I say disassociation. Also a warning, um, I will talk about some triggers, but not go into too great a detail, um, just to let you know my experience, um, which was a lot of trauma. So that's a little bit of a warning. And also, I'm going to warn you that I'm going to use the word God. And uh, I grew up in a lot of religious abuse, so I have a lot of sympathy for people that have suffered that abuse. Um, I'm really grateful that I made my way through lots of that abuse. So, okay, I wanted to ask you if you would play a little thing with me, and not everyone has to participate. This is something I learned uh, from a health coach, and it really helps me a lot, and it helps with anxiety, and it will help you sleep better, and it's, okay, so it doesn't take too long, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to tap, 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 lightly tap, gently, because we're, it's like tapping a child, right? (laughs) We're, like, going to be gentle, so it's just like this. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two,
eight, nine, ten. Hands, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Knees. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Back of here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Temples. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. One more. And be a like gorilla. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Six, seven, nine, ten. Now you're going to rub your wrists together and breathe. Does it feel nice, doesn't it? <laughs> so um, I'll tell you a little about this experience, strength, and hope. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about me. Um, I grew up in a little town in Kansas. My parents were uh, educators, teachers. Um, they were in school a lot. They were doubly mastered. I'm the eldest. And I... Um, I was the hero of the family and this is how I found my security in a really chaotic and dysfunctional family was, was, was to be needed and to be that person that like filled in all the blanks for the parents and was always there. And it's also become, um, a mechanism, a coping mechanism in my adult life that I, and a lot, and we do this in ACA a lot is the, you know, we tend to focus on helping other people instead of, dealing with our own issues. And I, I can catch myself in that a lot. So I have to be really mindful. Um, and I was, and so I had two younger brothers. So I was the big mom too young. I don't have children probably because I knew what a big deal that was going to be. And I did a lot of things out of order. I felt like a parent at age 12. Um, I would wake up in the night to feed my little baby brother and get in trouble at school for that. My mom was really abusive to me and my brother closest to me in age. Um, and in our, in our readings, we talk about how we're the most unique, the most bravest, strongest people in ACA. And lots of people call this ACA the um, PhD of the programs, because it's kind of like sort of all leads to why you wanted to do fucked up stuff in the first place. Pardon my French. Um, so I love ACA because of that. I found ACA when I was really young. I was um, just 24 years old. And what a lifesaver, man, seriously, because my past is really hard, like most of ours are in here. And if you had a traumatic past childhood, it's very likely that PTSD is and anxiety is a part of your daily life. So that's okay. We can have acceptance with that because with this burden of suffering comes a lot of enlightenment and kind of our superpower. Like who could read a room faster? Who could understand someone's lifted the eyebrow and what that means or their body language walking? I'm, I'm so hypervigilant. I have to keep an eye on that too. And critical parent parts, which we read about in the loving parent guidebook, um, we'll talk a lot about the critical parent and my critical parent is very hypervigilant trying to protect all of us. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about my strategies with the critical parent and those voices and rerouting my thoughts and feelings in this meeting here tonight. Um, thank you so much for having me. I, I love this meeting and there's so many beautiful familiar faces here tonight. So yay. Uh, okay, so I was molested at the age of two and a half by a family friend. So my earliest memories are that, and my 
Myra's memory of my mother is running from her, just scared like a little cat. I mean, like a little mouse. She was the cat. I was the little mouse. I actually ended up, I'm a singer-songwriter, so that was my other warning. I will be singing. It's just one of my ways of communicating. I'm not really trying to show you I'm a singer. I'm pretty confident in that in my career, but um, it's just just easier for me to communicate that way. It's been my first language. My mother told me I would sing in the crib before I spoke. I sang before I spoke and, um, and she, so mom's tragedy is besides her, she was an ACA and from her parents and my earliest childhood memory of my grandfather is running from him and he hit me really hard. So I, I believe he abused her. She doesn't, she's in denial about that. I, I don't think that came out of nowhere, but she um, and my father got married and my dad got drafted into Vietnam straight away. He was 24 years old. He was already a teacher. And that was, that caused a lot of PTSD. And of course, in his life, and he became the alcoholic and he wasn't a drinker before that came back, smoking cigarettes, drinking a lot and, um, night terrors and things like that. And my mom, my mom was the, is the codependent with him. And she's also her coping mechanism is religion. So she would put me in a little scratchy, itchy, horrible dress that I can, you know what, I'm going to show you it. And this is a day that is an example of my overwhelmness here. This is me at three. Uh, my mom was getting me ready to have this picture taken. And she hit me with a brush and I'm getting a black eye here and I'm completely I, the p- reason this picture is significant for me is to see how overwhelmed I already was at such a young age. So here, let me see if I can share that. Uh-oh, it's not there. Let me see. Is it? Pardon. Sorry, guys. Okay, let's Are we going to do it now? Well, maybe you're not meant to see it. I don't know. Let's try one more time. hate delays. <laughs> okay, here you go. It's coming in now. So that's little me. Um, and the reason I'm holding this stuffed animal is because you can see I'm getting a fat lip. You can, I already have big lips, but you can see they're uh, injured and the black eye coming on to my left eye. But the photographer, I couldn't stop crying. She, she said, you can keep this stuffed animal if you will let me take a picture. And that's this itchy dress from the seventies. Yeah. Um, and that's the kind of dresses I would have to wear when I, my mom would take me to church and I was singing on stage by myself with a mic in a hand, my hand since I was four, my mother and my father tried to get pregnant for a really long time, seven years. And with no success, then she finally got pregnant and eight months into that pregnancy, something was wrong. It was terribly wrong. We were, uh, we had military privileges. So she had a terrible C-section that savage kind um, that come from your breast all the way down and require you to keep having them if you should you choose to have more children. The baby didn't survive. The government came in and took pictures of it because it was such a freak medical thing, like 2%. So it's in books and stuff. But this was so devastating to my mother, of course. And she got pregnant with me like only like three months later. And I think she would just had a real trouble like bonding with me. Because she, I think she was afraid that she was going to lose me too. So 
I don't feel bond. I don't believe I was too bonded to her even in the womb. And she was still um, postpartum and depressed grief while I was in the womb. So, so she told my daddy, um, would you please uh, get me a piano because I'm going to lose it. And I kind of now be, believe it's possible my mom did have a psychotic break because I'm I, I, some of the behaviors as I'm getting older and more educated is a lot of signs of that kind of mental illness. Um, but she played the piano the entire time I was being formed in the womb. And I've been writing songs ever since just by nature. So that's the best, the best gift that came through the trauma, the tragedy. And that's the thing about being ACA is truly there is like we have the flip side of the laundry list of our traits. And then we try to we're going this way and that's in the material and the trait book. And it's also in the big red book. If you are new, um, amazing. Uh, the laundry list trait book usually gets everyone's attention like oh my God, who's following me around and taking notes? Um, so I, I encourage that, but um, I've lost my train. I thought I was talking about the traits, the flip side. Oh, the flip side, the flip side of, of, of being in a lot of trauma is that we're very sensitive, beautiful creatures and we're empathetic. And, and as an empath, I was already a really sensitive child, but as an empath, I now know that I'm not here to fix anyone. And that's, ACAs want to fix it, and we think we know how to fix it because we're controlling. Um, even though we don't always notice that, we want to control our environment. And who? Why wouldn't we want to? It's madness in our homes. So yeah, that's natural to develop that desire. But it's also good to lay it down and trust God, and um, or higher power if that's what you like to use. I sometimes say Great Spirit. I like to call God Yahweh, and it's like. <gasps> It's a breathing, it's Jewish, Hebrew, and the breath of life. Um, great spirit works for me too, because I'm part Cherokee, and I just connect to that. Um, so it was 12 when I decided to, I needed to protect my baby brother, and I would offer myself as a sacrifice up to my mom to abuse her, to be abused so that she wouldn't hurt the baby. And I wrote a song about that called Cat and Mouse. My little strategies in the middle of being abused to take my mind off the pain was to count whatever I could see. And I find myself, and I'm not OCD, but I find myself doing that in an uncomfortable meeting, even a business meeting or something. I'll be like, you know, 12 lights from the ceiling, three fans. I'll just start doing it just really in my peripheral. And I go, oh, I'm uncomfortable. So that's when I do call to parent, which is instead of saying it's a trigger, I say, the call to parent in information, which is who needs parenting. And that's when I get to get in there and ask who's needs help. What, what, who's nervous. And it's often a lot of us really is. And then I need to take a lot of time to spend with them. Like you would with just real children. Right. Um, so I was raped as a teenager. That was a big life-changing moment. I was afraid to tell my father I, because I believed he would kill the man if he figured it out. And I still believe that to this day. And he did confess that to me in his older ages before he passed. My brother that was closest to me in age was abused alongside me and he he didn't make it. Like the big red book says, some of us don't make it untreated. So he was in and out of mental institutions and 
And he went to prison, which was totally unjust. His whole life was injustice. And he had the justice. He named his dog Justice. He was a Libra and he tattooed it on himself. So I'm glad that he's free now, but it's hard to miss my comrade. Felt like I was amputated. And his death is still under investigation. So that's also painful. And it was just last fall. Some my little parts. I have to, I have a lot of little people inside of me that are I miss their brother. Um, and then I was kidnapped as a teenager when I moved out here to get in the business, and I was able to get free of that man after five hours. But it was also a really big turning point for my life. And I hadn't, I was in denial, straight up denial. I thought I had a great childhood. I focused on all the good stuff. We had a lot of money. We had cool pets of every kind. We even had exotic animals around, tigers and lions and bears, oh my. Um, but it was fun to play with the cubs. And I believe nature and animals saved this for sure, me, because I could relate to them. They seemed safe compared to the big people. I used to think that big people were either robots or aliens. And I used to look at them and wonder, are you a robot or an alien? I don't know where that came from, but I have met some robots since. And I think I'm an alien. So maybe that's where that comes from. <laughs> I had, I've had seven home invasions since I've lived in Los Angeles. Three left me in the hospital. Um, all I didn't know. Here's one cool thing that came out of the first one. It was a gang in Echo Park. And um, it, it and that experience, I kicked them out of my house. I went into fight. My protector, who's a, a teenager, came out and was like, who do you think you are? You better get out of my house. Like I just, and then I ID'd them from a lineup and put them in prison, back into prison and testified. And the gang didn't really like that too much. So they started stalking me. So I moved and that was also a blessing. And that's around the time I found ACA. That was a real bottom for me. I was scared. I was like, okay, I know there's God out there. If there's God, uh, help. And, and a lot of my prayers were being answered straight away. Like a newborn baby that was like, okay, you made it here. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to make it a little easy for you for a while. And it's going to get hard again. But, uh, there was lots of blessings in that. And, the current thing that's still a part of that is one of the gang members um, I met in the Zoom rooms during the pandemic, and I noticed some of his shares that he, I figured out it was, he was in that gang. And so uh, we talked on the phone, and he was in that gang. He wasn't one of the people I ID'd, but he was in that gang. And so I said, you know what, we should start an ACA meeting. Would that just be crazy? Let's do it. So I, so we did it and, and it's, and we named it shame. I named it shameless. It was already called shameless, but then, cause there was another meeting and then we changed everything and used shameless. And I love that word. I just need to say it a lot. Cause I feel a lot of shame and I know that shame is the answer to my feelings and my guilt and it's all false guilt. No, I didn't do anything to deserve any of the things that happened to me. There's nothing wrong with me. My mom said that there was something wrong with me the moment she held me in her arms. That was something she said a lot to me as a child. And of course I believed it and I felt very rejected. She wished she had a brunette, but I had to be a blonde. Lots of stuff like that. Um, that made me feel uh, rejected and just not approved of. So that's the cool thing that came out of that was the home invasion. One of them left me in a coma for six days. Um, and my life really changed after that.
So I'm still dealing like with some of the brain trauma and have a lot of anxiety and insomnia, but I'm getting better. So that's the good part. Uh, I, I'm going to talk about some of my coping techniques that I used that were not so great. I used workaholism like crazy. I was raised to be an alcoholic. There was never a moment in our house that I didn't have something to do. Singing lessons, whatever, all the sports, camp, uh, all the musical instruments, lessons, piano, uh, all of it. So I was really busy and I just carried on that tradition as a way of escaping my pain, even after I found ACA and I did it in recovery and the, the ACA group that I found who I cherished and love. It was a live meeting that I ended up being the leader of for about five years, best times of my life, but I didn't have the, the boundaries of, um, of the overgiving that we can do. And, and that is something I'm trying not to repeat, even though I like to be very active in ACA, I, I keep a mind on it because I need to, to, and I believe that, um, that a recovery requires a lot of physical rest. You might find yourself really, really tired a lot when you dig into this and that's okay. Cause we need all of these we's need to slow down. We have to slow down and listen and spend time with each other and our kids. And I think that rest is a weapon because when we rest, we're really trusting that God is going to move on our behalf. And it's a real childlike place to be. Like, you're going to take care of me, aren't you? And it, and it works out. It always does, even though I freak out <laughs> the whole way. And I've also tried to... Uh, in the over-serving, I, um, I try to get out of black and white thinking and start thinking about how pretty the gray is in life. And when you have a gray day, we don't have many of those in Southern California, but when they are here, I just love them so much. And I, I notice how the colors pop, pinks and flowers and things pop. And um, so I wrote a song called The Beautiful Gray. And this is the this is how I communicate that. It says, I wanna feel safe. I need to feel love. I wanna feel you looking after me from a higher place above. I need to feel safe every day. When wrong isn't right, there's no black and white, just the beautiful gray. When wrong isn't right, there's no black and white, just the beautiful gray. So I hope that helps you a little bit. Uh, and then I, I have this visual that helps me in not over-serving. And that's, um, I, I picture a fire that I have, my heart is like a little fire camp. I got my little camping spot and, and I have to tend to my fire. I have to keep it alive. And just because someone else's flame is going out doesn't mean I need to go over there and help them fix it. I can holler, but I don't need to leave mine. And I'm good at that. I'm good at abandoning myself. So I'm working on that and I'm getting better. Um, and the torch idea helps me a lot too. You're holding a torch and somebody's like, light my torch, right? And you can, but got to watch out because certain types of people will just grab it and take off. So those are the visuals that I have to keep in mind when I um, am feeling pulled. And, and of course, those all go back to boundaries. And boundaries, if you haven't studied boundaries, it changed my life. I love boundaries study. 
because there's so many amazing things. You can move boundaries. They're not set in stone. There's lots of myths. We can change them. I create boundaries when I feel resentment towards someone. When I start to lose love for someone, it's my first sign signal to know I need to change the distance or whatever it is. And uh, I have to do that a lot. And I'm, I'm beginning to do it less because I'm choosing safe people now and people that love boundaries. And that's the big hope. Uh, my perfectionism is a big part of my coping in the past. Um, and that's where my critical parent really comes in. And my critical parent is impatient. And when something goes wrong, like the idea of getting a flat tire on the side of the road, instead of just accepting that cars get flat tires, acceptance, such a powerful tool. I, if I'm going into critical parent, I want to slash all the other three tires. What good is that? I don't need to slash the other three because got one flat tire. So when I catch myself in that, you could have done it this way. You could have done it that way. I'm just like, stop. And I just go rerouting, rerouting. I like to recite the Bill of Rights. And in that moment, I might say, I have the right to And so I'll pull out, or if I'm afraid of money and I have fear of insecure finances, especially lately since the pandemic, and I, and I have to do an affirmation and mine is that all of my needs shall be met according to riches and glory, which is a scripture. Um, I think it's in my New Testament. Um, but all the, those things, I, I try to remember that my future is, is bright. It's good. And I... Um, I believe that regret is when my critical parent gets, gets me into regret. I, I really think of it as pride because I, I thought I, I have this, my critical parent has the idea that we could have done it better, but I feel that's very prideful because we do the best that we can and we're doing the best that we can on, we're consciously doing the best that we can. So, um, I, I, I try, I've tried, I make friends with my critical parent too which is in the loving parent guidebook, instead of banishing it or yelling at it, I'm like, I thank you for your concern for us. And you were really helpful in the past, but we don't need you so much now. You can take a break. I got it. I'm, the, I'm your loving parent now. I got it. Thank you. Please don't berate the younger ones. Thanks. And then tell the kids the truth. Um, and this, uh, my tools of recovery are all the ones you've probably heard of, which is I use, I do use the phone. I call my people. And if I don't get somebody, I'm just going to keep trying because I need to be heard and I need to hear, I need to listen and I need to be heard. And so do my kids inside of me. And I do, I do meetings. I read the material. I believe in meditation. I'm not good at it. I don't like it, but the guided meditations in the call to parent uh, series workshops that are on YouTube have really helped me. They're incredibly deep. Wow. That's amazing. So I have to pull myself and pull myself back into those because I want to be, I had this visual the other day. I was trying to talk to my kids and I kept trying to get, I kept trying to get out of the bathtub and they like the bathtub. And I saw my, I saw like a little hamster on a wheel, just a whole bunch of hamsters on wheels. And I realized that that's what I do. And I'm like, okay, off, 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 rest. We're good. No, because I could go a mile a minute. You know, I have that type of personality kind of, 
I can be upbeat as upbeat as I can be is as far down the well I can be too. And when I'm down, I think this is the way it really is. I was hiding how I really felt the whole time. Suck. And then when I'm happy and joyful, I'm like, yeah, this is what it really is. What was I doing over there? And and it just recovery is just like a a mountain climbing roller coaster. And sometimes I get really song about that. All these mountainsides I've climbed and thunderstorms and skis and mudslides has caused me to realize you are with me. And no matter where I go, I know the past is sure, the path is sure to show. Cause I am not alone, you are with me. And you crave me and love me like no other can. You amaze me, no one could steal me from your hand. You, you only you. So I sing that when I need to. Uh, that's my recovery and service. Oh my gosh, of course, service. Service is just, it'll make you go and it'll make you feel appreciated and it'll challenge you. So if you're not in service positions, I really encourage that because it's so part of the healing and bonding. And we need our family. You're my family. We need each other. I realize you're my family. I need you. I've got big sisters, little sisters, moms. I got grandmas. I got brothers. It's wonderful. And um, I've just met the best people here. When I was in, when I came out of um, the head uh, trauma, coma, that it was six days, the people that came to bring me food outside of my physical family were ACA people. And some of them I had not seen for 15 years, but other than Facebook, because we moved into different, they moved out of state and stuff, but they moved back in and then they, they brought me food. And one, one, one beautiful sister, she just sat on the couch with me to make sure slept, we slept on the couch because she just wanted to make sure I didn't wake up scared. I was like, that is just so pretty. Thank you. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about was how uh, my, what gives me strength is that is, it is my relationship to higher power, God, great spirit, Yahweh, whatever you want to call him, big Papa. <laughs> the other thing I realized recently, um, that's helped me a lot because I was without a mother so much, uh, or mothering, uh, is to know that there's, uh, I have a mom in, 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 I, I call God, I am as well. And I believe that God is my mother and my father. And, and, and I'm so happy to have that understanding because it took me a long time just from the programming of um, religion to know that, of course, there's a completion and that I have parents. I have two parents. Oh, I want to show you this. This is something I can't forget to show you. Does this really help me? Um, so this was a... I went, the ACA group that I went to didn't have this, uh, used uh, different material. It was called New Images. Where is it? And it's, oh, it's got a little wheel. Did it not come through? Oh, no. Okay. It didn't come through. Dang it. Let's see. Um, but I'll just tell it to you. So it's a circle. It starts off with a circle. And this is, uh, this is going to be frustrating. I'm going to draw it. And this is, I'm sorry for the people on the podcast that you can't see this. 
but I'll just do it. Okay, so there's a circle and, and just a minute. You know what? I found another way I can do it. Here we go. Okay. I don't know if this will work too good. Can you guys see this? Can you see it? Okay, so it's got my little notes on it. Um, so this is our developing developing cell, and and if this is a and is distorted mirror, and that's because we think that God is our parents as children. We just think everything they say is true. You know, Easter Bunny's real and Santa Claus and all that. Um, and whatever they feel about, I should have been a brunette, whatever. Um, so this is my developing self. And then it's, it's a distorted image. Just like if you looked in a funny house at the, at the circus, you're not seeing what you really are. Your image is distorted. My image is distorted. So, um, that distortion gives me a lot of fear and insecurity and anger and that causes me, this is called the lie. This causes me to believe lies about myself, which is, I'm sure you can think of a bunch of them. I'm not good at anything. I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm a bad person. Nothing good's ever going to happen to me. You're so vain, all that. And those lies, uh, and then in the middle of it, here's the don't talk, don't trust, don't feel, always operating. And then after I believe the lie, I will often find an action in my underdeveloped self in the past to relieve myself of that anguish. And that would be anything that I would, could be addicted to. Believe me, I know all of them. So I could use exercise, food, I could use sex, alcohol, drugs, all of it. Workaholism, perfectionism, charity, blah, blah, blah. Those actions cause me to feel once again, shame. And so I feel bad the next day. Why did I do that again? What? And then that shame just feeds right back in to my negative self-image. And eventually that act becomes addiction. And, and there's a, a scale of, it goes unmet need. If you have an unmet need, we, which is an expectation. So I have expectations that my parents would be kind to me and love me. And that was not met. So in, in that, I felt hurt. And my hurt unattended can turn into anger and my anger unattended can turn into resentment. My, re my anger and resentment can, and hurt can turn into um, rage and my rage unattended to can, can, can go into thoughts of anger and murder. And after murder comes the action of murder. And when you talk to people in prison, they identify with that progress, that ladder. So it's really, it's really important for the health of everyone to, you know, work on that we're working on ourselves. It's a really big service, not only to yourself, but to everyone. And the the, the only way off that is is just to know how loved you are and, and how loved I am and and I'm not I can be shameless in that truth. I'm looking at my notes here. Okay, so I, another way I love to connect in strength is with my I talk to my kids and get to know my kids. I really wanted to spend a little more time on the, that today, but it is what it is. 
So how do I get in touch with my kids? I journal and talk to them. I get them presents like we see in the loving parent guidebook and they like stuffed animals. I know there's a lot of people that don't identify with um, connection to stuffed animals. That's okay. Just find what works for you. They work for me. I loved stuffed animals as a kid. So we have lots of stuffed animals and I started doing this thing. They asked me to, we got a stuffed animal to represent different parts. So this little bunny is, is the, is kind of the age of when I'm seven and my seven-year-old self is just really happy. So that's another thing I want to talk about there. I found that my parts are often in either denial, which isn't always a bad thing because there can be happy parts. I have happy parts. Seven doesn't think anything is wrong with the world. There's a part of me when I was seven that was like, yeah, everything's good because I could dissociate. So that's, um, that's a, that's a free part. I have another part where everything kind of went right for me. And it was in the fourth grade. She named herself Jessica and she likes purple. So Jessica's always like, and that helped me understand why I could feel so confused as to how I could feel so much pain one moment. And the next minute feel like that's not even real. That was in the beginning of my recovery. And now I understand it's all a part of the process. So when I need to connect with different parts, I hug them. And this one is, um, this is Tommy. It's name of my last name. I named myself that because my mom said, you could, you should use this as a last name or as a nickname. It'd be really cute. Tommy, Tomcat or something like that. And so I said, I thought, oh my God, that's how, she, if I name myself what she likes, then she'll like me. And then I'll behave the way she likes and then she'll like me. And this is also the age that I protected my baby brother. So this part is very present with me uh, and is in pain. My 12 year old has a lot of pain. So the pain and denial parts identification has helped me a lot to understand what I'm going through and feeling. Uh, there was something else I was going to say about that. Uh, I guess it'll come back if it's supposed to. Um, yeah, pain and denial. Okay, so I hug those stuffed animals. I have more that I need to, when I need to connect with. I hug and they like it. And that's a good way for me. It's just a visual for me to um, spend time with them. It takes a lot of time. So I ask my kids what's their name. I ask them if they don't have a name, we figure one out, ask them their favorite color. And, you know, it takes a lot of time to spend with kids. I let them wear what they want to wear. One time my teenager wanted to wear high heels and jeans, big hair to the movies. And I was like, what? Nobody wears high heels to the movies? And she was like, oh, okay. I thought, this is when I'm making friends with her. I thought you said you wanted to be friends with me and we were going to hang out and stuff. And I was like, all right, pick it out. So we did that. We went to the matinee and heels. Pretty fun. Um, so I just, I let them, my tomboy, tomboy part is like, is Tommy. And so, cause she doesn't like dresses. My kids don't like dresses a lot because of that was easy access to, um, for predators. And I do this visual, which is, uh, so if you, uh, getting in touch with my kids and I know it's hard for some people to feel that way, to get in touch with the kids. The other day I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know who was talking and all of a sudden Tommy will tell me what's going on with the rest of them. So there are leaders in my system that will say, oh, they're doing that. And the other day, they don't want to talk. And I was like, why did I do something wrong? Why? And and, and Tommy, she told me, um, no, uh, they just don't want their video camera on, just like you guys do in Zoom sometimes. (laughs) 
And that really helped me. I was like, oh, you're here. You just don't feel like being seen. That's what I forgot to say that I wanted to come back to. There are, I believe for me, at least there are primary parts of me that need a lot more attention and want to be what I call out, out and about. And we're blending, we're blending. It's, there's a lot of integration and that's a supernatural thing. That's, I can't do that. That's up there, guy doing, and mom doing. <laughs> and so uh, also it's not linear. So that's something I have to remember. I mean, I could just skip around in all parts of recovery. And I don't know if that's like, if it's like that for everyone, but for me, I'm like a multifaceted glass with a lot of different colors. And so the light will shine through different parts of that glass. I picture a house, a cabin, and the middle is where we all meet. And kids go off to their different rooms. Some of them are friends. And some of them that want to be out, like the teenager, some want to be out sometimes. Some of them are just hidden. I have a part um, I call Madeline, and there's reasons for that. Um, that had to do with me at that age, 17. And, and she would take on the duty of um, things I, I, I didn't want to do that had to do with sexual abuse. And so now Madeline, she considers herself a little black cat. So we have a little black cat and I hug her. And she doesn't really want to talk to people too much ever. She just wants to be safe and not have to do that job anymore. And I reassure her, that job's over. Never again. I got you. And one of the things that I like to find out is, do my kids like someone? Because that helps me with my boundaries. It, and I can feel that in my body. I can feel the intuition, the gut instinct in my body when I'm trying to connect or I'm not feeling comfortable and trying to find out who is needing my attention. And one of the ways I talk to people that in my fellowship and friendships that aren't sure how to get in touch with their kids is I think about going to the as social services and someone says, I'm here. You got to come pick up your kids. You lost them. And you get there, you take these kids home and they're pissed. There's mad ones, sad ones, probably really needy ones, clingy ones, very excited ones because you're finally there. So it's okay to have like mix, mixtures of feelings. And the other question I like to ask myself is if someone could hear me talking, hear my self-talk, would social services come and get my kids? That's another good question I like to ask myself. Would they, would I not be allowed to have these kids? My kids, what they want is they want my approval. They want my encouragement. They want my attention. And if they don't get it, they some of them will sabotage important things in my life, like when teenagers will. They want my time, and it takes so much time. They want my gentleness. I can't put my face cream on really fast anymore. I have to just, nice. I brush my hair nicer, you know. And self-care, and I'll close with this. Uh, self-care to me is commerce with God, with Yahweh, with the great I am. because. Self-care is honoring what he made, which is me and my body and, and self-care. I've come to realize not only gives me joy, but it gives higher power joy. 
And because God lives in me and it gives him joy that I take care of myself and do self-care, the joy is alive in me and, and, and joy, my joy is my strength. And I'm not afraid of my grief. My grief is big. It sucks. And when it comes out, it takes ride. My brother in this thing, the grief of my brother has made a lot of grief that was stored in here come to the surface, like the Big Red Book tells us, repressed memories and emotional memories come up for me now. I can remember that something happened, but I don't always remember how I felt. Now the feelings are starting to return. And, you know, when here's my, my, my newest thing that has helped me so much is when I can't hear God and I don't know what to do, and that for me right now is figuring out income, I, I don't think that God isn't talking to me. I'm not mad at God. I think I can't hear God. I feel like it's my fault. And so that, so if that's what I'm doing, then it's just a big old circle, right? So I have to um, believe that God is bigger than my walls or my deafness or my inability to hear him or her, it, I am, great spirit. Um, and, and he's bigger than that. And if I believe that, then this scripture came to my mind. I hope this isn't triggering for anyone. I'm Pardon me if it is, but it's just my faith. And that's what I'm here speaking about. There's this place in the New Testament where um, there's a, an apostle who's com praying, complaining to God and saying, remove this thorn from my side. Nobody ever finds out the theologians don't know exactly what that was in history. Have a gut feeling what it might be, but what would I know? And the answer comes back to him that says, In my weakness, you are made perfectly strong. And his response to that is, Therefore, I boast in my weakness. I'm going to boast in my weakness because in it, you're perfect, perfectly through me and purely through me. And that has helped me so much when I feel like my inability to hear is my fault. I'm like, okay, I'm weak. I'm weak. Be strong in my weakness. I'm boasting it. And so I don't have to feel shame. I can be shameless even about my weakness. And my mantras are rerouting when I have to reroute about that. And I sing, make a way where there is no way. God, come on, do it, do it. When I, I just ask, seeing new doors to open. And I like to say to my friends, you might know this about me, I'll say, we win, <laughs> you know, because we do, we're going to win, we're winning, we're already winning. And, and I also say every day in every way, I am getting better and better. And that's Mike Tyson's <laughs> mantra since he was 15. And my biggest hope of experience, strength and hope is that it works. Thank you for listening.